What's up, Parisi Podcast World? It's Coach Casey with the Parisi Speed School. I'm back with another phenomenal episode of the Parisi Podcast. This episode features a Parisi Sports Performance mentee, Allison Maurer, someone who joined me in the Sports Performance Mentorship last fall. Uh, Allison and I hit it off. She was one of our most engaged mentees um, we've had in the program since we started in early 2020. And Allison has a phenomenal background, is a registered dietitian uh, in sports nutrition. So having worked in the collegiate setting in Colorado as well as University of Tennessee and even as a stint in pro sports with the Pittsburgh Pirates and now in the Tennessee area working at a private school. She has a phenomenal background and we have a great conversation about sports nutrition, what it's like working in pro sports, uh, applying coaching schemes to nutrition, which I think it's, it's probably got more parallels than a lot of listeners think. It's a phenomenal episode. Allison does a great job conveying everything in a really uh, easy format to listen to. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you. But before I get into that episode with Allison, I wanted to touch on two things. You heard me mention that Allison was in the Sports Performance Mentorship, and we are running another Sports Performance Mentorship in early 2022. It's going to start in March, but you can enroll now. And if you enroll now, you're going to get two things. One, you're going to lock in our current rate because we are anticipating increasing that rate in 2022. So you're going to lock in your rate right now. The other thing I wanted to mention is Bill Parisi. I think you may have heard of this guy. It's his name uh, on the Parisi podcast. But Bill is hosting a live and live-streamed seminar based off of his book, The Anatomy of Speed. It's going to be a phenomenal event. Again, it's going to be live in person in Fairlawn, New Jersey on January 15th. But there is also a live live stream, hence the, the title live stream, a live stream version of the event that you can purchase as well. If you're registering in advance, what's really cool is you also get a copy of Bill's book, The Anatomy of Speed, which is what the seminar is based off of, an important piece to have. So what I would love for you guys to do is go check out the links in the show notes um, for not only the sports performance mentorship, but also Bill's book and seminar, The Anatomy of Speed. And I've done enough talking. So on the other side of the little jingle here, you're going to hear a phenomenal conversation with myself and Allison Maurer. What's up, everyone? It is Casey with the Parisi Speed School. I am joined today by, I think this is our first time ever really talking digitally face-to-face, Allison, but I'm joined by Allison Maurer. Um, I'm going to let Allison do her introduction because anytime I've done these, if you've listened to past episodes, I don't do a very good job. So Allison, if you could just give us an introduction of who, what, when, where, how, the, the gist of you, we'll start there. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Casey, for having me. Um, yeah, so Allison Maurer, I am a registered dietitian, specialized in sports nutrition, been in the profession for, man, over 17 years now. Um, started off way back in the old days in 2004. I was at the University of Colorado in Boulder, where I was the sports dietitian and an assistant strength and conditioning coach. It's kind of where I cut my teeth in the strength and conditioning world. Uh, from there, I went to the University of Tennessee, where I was the sports dietitian there for about nine years. Um, after that, uh, I was at the Pittsburgh Pirates as the director of sports nutrition and fueling for five seasons. And currently, I am associate athletic director for student health and wellness at Knoxville Catholic High School here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So that's, that's, that's the, the nutshell, the, the cliff notes version. That is what the dire- director of fueling? That's super Sports badass. nutrition and fueling. I That's know. Badass. That's I super know. awesome. <laughs> because you know, like, uh, and 
I'm sure you've definitely seen this, but when you in, in the Parisi land, we work with a lot of high school athletes and they start talking about just different professions to stay involved with sports. And maybe, you know, they realize that they're not going to go professionally. I, I'm from Northern Vermont. So I don't think we've ever actually, I don't know. I don't think anyone has been born in Vermont and played professional sports. I don't actually, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I don't know. That's my stat, but um, either way, we don't have a lot of pros coming out of Northern Vermont. So they always ask how they can stay involved with sports and nutrition dietetics has always come up and um, you know, being a registered dietitian, that's okay. But being the director of sports fueling, that's super badass. So I, I love that. I love that title. Um, and Allison, we met through the Parisi sports performance mentorship. You just wrap that up. We did our, yeah. we do two a year. We did wrap that one up. And I love the diverse backgrounds that we get when it comes to, to our coaching, um, which is how we kind of connect it just so people know, but, and I'm going to now segue completely from there. Cause this is a question that gets brought up in the Parisi network a lot. And I would be really curious to hear how your experience was. And I'm sure you've gotten this before from your kids, but how did you get involved with pro sports? So, okay. So just in general, so sports nutrition is really young. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, super. Two, yeah. 2000 is kind of when people actually started to think about it. Um, but even when I started at the university of Colorado, it was like sports nutrition wasn't a real job. Um, and so I was one of the first eight full-time um, collegiate sports dietitians in the country. And so Whoa. I'm just old. So that's how I got <laughs> Better way to put it, like that's how I got involved in professional sports because you know when organizations are looking for those of us who've been in it in a long, for a long time, like there's not that many of us. So that's so um, wild. I'm so so. I mean, it is. I mean, even if you think like strength and conditioning, there's been like personal trainers and stuff like that. But when you think of like commercial strength conditioning outside of college, it same thing. Like 2000s, like late 90s, maybe is really when it yeah. became a job. And right. And not I remember, a real job to many. Yeah, totally. And I remember when I was at Colorado, you know, even females in strength and conditioning going to the CSCCA conference and it was like the female strength coaches breakfast and there was like 30 of us in there. And now there's like 200, you know, last time I went, there were so many. So just, yeah. So when you think strength and conditioning and nutrition, they're both really in their infancy, really still. Were you so, ever involved? Like how involved were you in with the strength conditioning at any I mean, we can talk about at the school you're at now or with the pirates, whatever it was, Colorado, but like, and it's maybe a good segue from getting involved with pro sports to how involved you were with the strength conditioning and how those two pieces really tied together for you. Yeah. So when I was at Colorado, it was one of those things where um, they needed a strength and conditioning coach, like an assistant, but they wanted a dietitian as well. And I literally had like never lifted weights in my life. And they were like, Hey, do you want this? Like you have the qualifications for one half of the job, but not the other half, but if you're willing to learn and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's literally, I was on the job training. So everyone in back then too, like collegiate programs, there was, uh, I think there was five of us, there was the director and then there was four assistants for a whole program. Like we didn't have GAs, we didn't have interns. And so I was an assistant with football cause we all were. Um, and then I had women's tennis, uh, men's women's golf, um, I did cheer and dance and that was, those were really great teams for me to like really learn and, and get familiar with strength and conditioning. And so I trained basically for a year and then sat and took the CS, CS exam. So, yeah, I mean, it was like, here's your teams. 
there you go. So, um, so yeah. And then I didn't do any strength and conditioning at Tennessee. Um, the pirates did like the fact that I had that as a background just to kind of have another set of eyes and ears. Like if there was anything, you know, that I observed, but I didn't do any strength and conditioning at the pirates. Um, I dabbled, like I worked with a high school basketball team for a preseason and, you know, did their strength and conditioning program for, I think that was 20, 18 or something like that. Um, so I was always in and out of it. Um, I always wanted to stay as up to date as I possibly could. Um, but then now my role is, I mean, I'm kind of back to where I was at Colorado where I'm full-time dietitian, full-time strength coach. Um, so I'm, I'm in the grind a lot now again. So this might sound like an obvious duh question, but knowing what you know now and having done roles where you were coaching in, on the weight room floor and also um, you know, I'll say like in the kitchen with the, with the athletes as well and, and doing both. And then obviously doing isolated pieces of both. Um, would you say if, is it like in your mind and in your experience, like, would you say it's a strong recommendation, if not like a required piece of continuing education for someone who wants to get into sports nutrition to become like a certified trainer or have the performance coaching background? Like how important is it like in your experience? Yeah. And I've gotten this question a lot. And the thing that I always tell people is if you're not going to actually do it, then don't get the certification. Like don't get the letters behind your name just because you hope it's going to get you a job. Like if you're going to actually spend the time studying, like learn under someone, be mentored, like learn all about it. Don't just get the CSCS or whatever personal training certification or whatever you want, just because you think it's going to help you get a job because it's, I, if I never did strength and conditioning, I wouldn't have gotten the certification just to say that I had it. I don't think it's, it's, a, it's not make or break by any stretch of the imagination. I think that's important to understand. I, like, I know when you look at, and I, I personally have done this because I once upon a time was like, oh, pro sports it would be sweet. And then you look at the strength conditioning coaches in pro sports, any sport, and they're typically physical therapists, also licensed athletic trainers or chiros, or they, they're like, and you were a great example, like you wear multiple hats. And I don't, I don't necessarily know why, because you would feel like in pro sports, they have a lot of resources, a lot of capacity, but then you look at like their sports med staff, not in 2021 and going into 2022, it's not necessarily like this anymore, but it is wild how you look and it's like, whoa, there's all those letters or, whoa, this person was like a surgeon. And now they're a strength coach. Like what, why are they a strength coach for this basketball team? And I think that a lot of younger people would look at that and say, like, I need to get everything to be everything to try to get this job. But it is refreshing to hear from someone who's done it that it's not necessarily required. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because I've had some of my high school students, they're like, oh, I want to be a, you know, I want to be a director, like a football strength coach in the NFL. I'm like, hey, guess what? There's 32 of them in the whole country. Yeah. You're probably not going to be one. It's so, even like, harder to do that than play in pro sports, probably. Exactly. So just in, you know, because they see the big paycheck and they see how cool it is on the sidelines on, you know, Sundays or Monday night football. And I'm like, there's 32 in the nation. Mm -hmm. You're pro like, and I hate to be so, so like in their face, but I'm like, you're going to have to be an intern for so many years. And then you're probably not going to get paid very much. And then you got to latch on to a specific coach and like, maybe sure maybe you could be but it's it's not as easy as just seeing the fun stuff <laughs> right. and i mean you probably know this so you know when you were you know what even 
at the college setting or uh, with the pirates or where you're at now, like, I don't know how much diversity is in your day-to-day or seasonality that's in your like actual in the trenches life cycle or work schedule, but like for someone who's in sports nutrition, what does a typical day look like in, and you can pick, I'm sure it changes with the season. So maybe like during the summer and then while school is in session, or um, if you've ever dabbled like outside of the school with different clients or anything like that, what, how that might differ. It would be really interesting to kind of pull that curtain back for people listening to this. Yeah. It's so different from the collegiate to the professional, to the high school level collegiate. Um, it's, it's better now. Most programs have multiple dietitians on staff, but you know, back in the day where it was like, you know, table for one over here, um, you know, you go from football season and then men's and women's basketball start right in the middle of football season. And then as soon as football season's done, everybody's like, oh, aren't you glad football season's over? And I'm like, no, because now it's off season. And now my work just got harder. Plus we still have men's and women's basketball and not to mention like the swimming and the volleyball and golf and tennis. And so it's, it's never, it never stops. And it's anything from team talks to individual sessions, eating disorder, counseling, planning menus, like all kinds of stuff. Um, professional sports, it definitely was better because you had an off season, you know, baseball, you're, I mean, you're hoping to play in November, but most of us don't get to. And so, you know, you have a decent off season where you're checking in with players, guys get surgery. They're trying to, you know, hit their, um, weight and body composition goals, um, recovery, stuff like that during the off season. And then I mean, you're going from February through, you know, the end of September, like it's game on. So it's pretty busy. And, you know, I traveled and then I, you know, I traveled some in 2018, 2019, and then 2020, you know, that was just a crazy year. So we were all kind of just in the bubble. And that's where you, you know, because we had to, you know, it was just out of necessity. And so, but yeah, anything from one of the cool things in, in, pro sports is it's more fine tuning, right? It's not necessarily teaching the guys like, here's what a carbohydrate does. And here's how protein helps with muscle repair and and that sort of thing. It's more like, all right, you're starting pitcher. So after you get off the field, you start doing your arm care recovery. Here's your recovery shake that has cherry juice, um, you know, branched chain amino acids, some collagen, you know, you're just, you get to be more sciencey and more um, in depth about things. And then obviously too, you have your medical nutrition component where you have athletes with celiac disease or um, Crohn's or any other medical issues. You have staff that you're helping, you know, with their dietary needs and that sort of thing. So that's, that was the difference in, in pro sports. And then high school, it's, I mean, it's all day. So I teach three sports nutrition classes Um, so that, and I really, really love that because I get to teach them every day, like what they need to do every day. Um, and then I have weight training, girls weight training class. So teaching them, you know, just about how, and and it's mostly beginners. So just the basics of movement and being in the weight room and getting comfortable in there. Um, and then after school, like yesterday we did speed work and I had a soccer girl, a few, um, football players, baseball doing that. Or it'll be um, girls basketball workouts, you know, so it's it's all day like at lunch is usually when I'll try to catch up with kids who need to do one on ones. And so, you know, it's and it's I'm not there just for the student athletes at the school. I'm there for all the students. So, you know, we've had some students. Yeah, well, but luckily it's 
the high school is about 600 kids and we actually have two registered dietitians full time. So I know, isn't that cool? Well, that's, it just shows you it's a priority, you know, and that's that's Yes. It's a huge priority. So yeah. So between her and I, I mean, we'll take kids through like the beginning of basketball season and stuff. The girls were like, you know, will you help us, you know, go through the line and pick out the foods that we should eat. And so, you know, then the kids, other kids see it and they're like, Oh, I want you to tell me what I should be eating, you know? And so it's just like, they're all just really excited to have the resources there. Um, and then just getting them excited about being in the weight room, you know, really creating what a true strength and conditioning program should look like. Um, you know, and you know how it is because at the high school level, you may have really qualified individuals or you just may not, you just never know what you're getting. And yeah. so um, no offense to the high school chemistry teacher, but sometimes they're very nice to offer their time, but their wisdom is few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they mean well, and they're, you know, doing what they remember they did when they were playing high school, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And you're like, I don't really think that's safe. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that it was cool in 1984, but uh, yeah. not so much in 2021. Yeah. But uh, it's been to hear the kids like some of the things that has has been really exciting just at the high school level is like even with supplements it's like hey i was gonna go buy this but i thought i'd ask you first and yeah and i've noticed that that it didn't have that nsf certified for sport logo so i wanted to just double check like those things are just it blows my mind because i'm like those are the moments i want like that's the stuff that i want those kids to go into stores and talk to people about and be like, I'm going to actually ask a few questions before yeah. I'm going to jump on that. So it, that's a really good point. It, it segues into one of my favorite things to talk to registered dietitians about, because, I, you know, I, I think we've all gotten to the point, athletes um, or general adults, you know, like it's not necessarily good food and bad food, right? Like I re- always remember this, like you can talk to like, like I have a three-year-old and I could be like, you know, which do you think is more healthy for you? This plate of broccoli or this box of little Debbie's. And she would be able to point and say the broccoli, like, like everyone kind of knows like what's perceived as healthy or more nutrition, nutrition, uh, nutritionally. Yeah. Yeah. Nutritious. Um, versus like, you know, like chocolate cake, which I, you know, I'm not against chocolate cake. I love me some ice cream and cosmic brownies from the little Debbie box, but you know, there's always a time and place for everything. And, and that's absolutely what's important. But when you're educating people on nutrition, cause this is where I know in Parisi land, like we talk to parents and they're always like, Hey, you know, like can you talk to nutrition about my kid. Like, you know, what do we recommend for this, that, and the other thing. And I think parents think they're just, you're just going to tell them like, eat this, not that, but it always comes down to like the actual behavior surrounding it. And like, it's really complex. Like people don't really understand even fitness in a way has kind of gotten to this point where there's like a lot that goes on behind the curtains and and then between the ears on, on, I don't say complying, but like people's like emotional backgrounds around exercise and like why it's important and how they go about doing it. And nutrition is, is even more because food is so much more than, you know, it's comfort. It's, it's parts of people's religion and there's so much that goes into it. But a lot of times when it comes to athletes, it's like, do this, eat this, you guys need this, that, and the other thing. And uh, at what point in your experience, does it just go past good food, bad food? 
Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if there's a question there you can pull yeah. out, but it's much no, more I, than that, right? I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. And so, and it's, and you're so right. Like, you know, kids are all about the social media. And so all the people that they watch on social media are so extreme usually. And so it's, they perceive that as like, you have to either do it all right or it's all wrong. And so my philosophy, so obviously my philosophy is food first, but I also talk to them about, it's about fueling. It is not even about healthy food or unhealthy food. We're going to talk fueling. I don't care if you have a big test coming up. I don't care if you have like the biggest sports performance of your life, but we're going to talk about fueling and just, and honestly, just like respecting food too, like using it to your benefit, not just because you feel like you have to eat something or you're, you don't feel like putting, making your own sandwich. So you stop at, you know, the fast food joint or whatever. But, um, and one of the things too, I try to teach them is like 80, 20, like I'm not going to give you this meal plan that writes out and calculates your exact day because nobody lives like that. Nobody lives in an exact meal plan. So if you can do well, fuel well, 80% of the time, knowing that 20% is going to be like, you know what, we're going to go get pizza as a team after the game or it's my mom's birthday and we're going to go out and get ice cream. Like, knowing that and get helping them to understand like just it's not perfect the people that they see on social media aren't doing it perfectly either it's just they post about what looks the best for them and so i think that too helps get get them to relax a little bit that because i think when they when they come to class they assume i'm going to tell them eat this don't eat that that is bad that is good and i do not roll like that because i'll be the first one to be like all right when you guys go trick-or-treating this year, whoever brings me the Reese's peanut butter cups gets five extra credit points. Because <laughs> <laughs> that like, is the goat of actual Halloween candy. Peanut butter seriously. and chocolate, like we can go on a quick little segue on this, is probably the best combination you can yes. have. It's yes. like what name a better combo? Peanut butter and I know. jelly, maybe, but like mm-hmm. Anyway. chocolate definitely yeah, chocolate yeah. And peanut butter it's the best anyway yeah okay. so it like catches them off guard completely that like i'm gonna eat sweets because i love them but i also know that like i can make sure the rest of my day is gonna be pretty balanced and so you know i think that's huge because i'm a distance runner and so you know they see what i do when i work out and then they see how i'm eating and they're like oh it's not perfect and it's not always going to be the way that it's, you know, written out. If I Google sample meal plans, you know, Google image, like it's it. And, you know, people get, if I had a nickel for every time I told someone I don't do meal plans and their response was, well, then what do you do? You know what I mean? I'm going to teach you how to have a really good relationship with food and we're going to learn how to perform well and to fuel well and you know for for girls too like and this is what i always tell them in class when you think healthy eating what do you think and i said i think it's being on a diet i don't want to feel that way i don't want to think that way so we're going to talk about fueling like for you know someone who's trying to gain weight fueling might be two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a big glass of milk but for someone else fueling might be like a granola bar and a banana Mm -hmm. doesn't matter it's but it's about how you're going to fuel for your performance um so yeah those are just some of the things that i think 
get overlooked sometimes when it comes to nutrition because everybody does want the Google answer. And I am not that person. That's a really good way to put it because we're, I mean, that's what we're used to, right? I have a question. I literally type it into Google yes. and the little blurb comes up at the top of what it should look like or what it should be. And no one ever clicks to get the context behind it, but it is, no. you, you said it like it's either absolute one way or absolute the other way. And then you touched on another thing and I want to bring up because I think this is what's really going to help people listening to this is this idea of building autonomy in the selection, right? Like I've always found in performance coaching, the more involved I can have the athlete in their training, whether it be adjusting based off of their feedback or giving them choice and selection and having them I mean, one step further, having them understand why, where, and how those choices play in right? Like instead of a barbell back squat today, maybe it's a rear foot elevated split squat, or we do a, a switch the bar and use a safety squat bar or something like have them involved with the decisions. I, it sounds like, you know, you're coaching nutrition, you're coaching food choices. It can be very similar. How, and you know, if whether you're an athlete listening to this, a coach listening to this, a parent listening to this, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot on this one. So I apologize because I, I, people listen to this. If you want a little pullback on the Parisi podcast, there's no prep. We're just, we're just having a conversation. Rolling. Uh, we're just rolling, rolling with it. What are some ways to build in autonomy when it comes to food choices, right? Like, or, or learning when you're learning about food or trying to have a conversation about food with someone building in autonomy and, or getting to that point rather, maybe not starting with it, but getting to that point. Cause I'm sure at some point people want like the list of options of great carbohydrates pre-practice. Right. But then getting to the point of like, okay, you know, choosing and, and choice. And, and that's a really important piece is getting, getting to that selection. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is accessibility, honestly. Ooh, and nice. this, hit, this hit me really hard we were talking to the football team, you know, just kind of going over what next semester is going to look like. And we're going to start doing post-practice or post-workout recovery shakes. And I was just talking about like, food has to be your other job. Like you're in the weight room and stuff, but eating and fueling has to be your other job. And I had one kid that said, well, what if you don't have the resources? And I was like, nailed it. I said, then you come and see, you know, the football coach jumped in. He's like, never do we want anyone to have to deal with that or feel that they don't have the resources. So he's like, come talk to us and we will make sure that we take care of that. But that's huge. Like, you know, and you have the typical strength coach. It's like eat grilled chicken and get your broccoli, broccoli and your rice, rice and chicken. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Absolutely. You, you can't tell every kid that if the kid is like, well, I'm going to go home and hope that there's bread. You know what I mean? So accessibility is absolutely number one what is realistic for them maybe fast food is their only realistic option and you happen to have you know they they get some you know sort of food or cafeteria meals or whatever and you can make that the best meal and you can make that complete knowing that the rest of the day you're just focusing on like are they going to get enough for hydration from in the form of water not gatorade um you know what can you send them home with are there other families on the team that can help out so but it as dumb as it sounds that's definitely the number one no and then that's you have what it is that's it totally makes sense i totally didn't yeah. cut you off there but it's it's like no, you're good. it's like in the weight room right performance coaches like the workout with the coach is probably going to be the most dialed in but then mm -hmm. outside of that, when we talk about recovery or soft tissue work or prep work, whatever they're doing on their own, like you got to give them something that they can do and be good at. And it's just funny how coaching 
whether it's food, whether it's strength training, whatever skill, right? Like it's all, it all, I think we overthink it because it's yeah. something that's different outside of our bubble. Yeah. So, okay, I, I'll shut up now. I'm going to go back. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> and then on the flip side, you'll have the kid that comes in. And he's like, oh yeah, if I need anything, my grandma will go to the store and get it. And so you're like, all right, so you're going to be different, <laughs> you yes. know? you can totally make those adjustments based on the kid that you're talking to. But accessibility is the first thing. And I think ultimate goals too. And, you know, you always get the kid that's trying to, to gain weight and suddenly they're eating like salads for every meal. And you're like, no, 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 no. Just because you're trying to eat healthy, right? Quote unquote healthy doesn't mean you have to have a salad all the time. And if you're trying to gain weight and you're a hard gainer, I love the fact that you're going to try to eat more broccoli, but that 50 calories that's making you full <laughs> is not actually really going to help us. Yeah. So I need you to load up on the potato, get more of the protein, have a little bit of vegetable, but we're going to get seconds on that other stuff, you know? And so people don't like to hear that either because they want, again, the Google answer, like, and I'm like, it does like, multivitamins that's where you know food first is my approach and supplements have a place sometimes and maybe that's it but like it just you just have to make it happen for each kid and meet that kid where he or she is at it's so funny how close and i mean my own bias but like this relates so much to my own coaching philosophy on someone where they're at and then making it something they can do and something they can be good at so they can have consistency with it And, you know, then magic happens when you're consistent. Like it's yep. so, so yep. funny how similar that is, but it, it is interesting because, you know, in, in sports performance facilities and we, you know, we often get like the questions, it's like, what should I do? How should I eat? And a lot of sports performance coaches are meatheads. So they're just like chicken, eight ounces of this, four ounces. And it's like, and I think you said this earlier where it's like, you know, at some point, for a lot of kids and athletes, it's like, can you just get something in your mouth? Like through an eight hour school day. And then you got like the weird time after school before practice or before competition where you might just be hanging out in the library or somewhere with your friends for 90 minutes. Like, can you put it on the front burner for you to do? Can you make sure you're drinking water on competition days? Like, can you chill on the Red Bull or like, you know, ancillary habits that maybe move you back. And maybe we can talk about that here shortly, like addressing bad habits or like things that kids inherently do because of convenience or even I'm going to say kids, but like everyone, right? Like I'm guilty. I'm sipping on a coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon here. (laughs) um, You know, like, I wish I could say it'd be my last one, but it's not. And like how maybe you address when someone comes in, right? So maybe I'll, I'll paint the picture a little bit here. When someone comes in and they're like, you know, you're working with them or you're talking to them and a couple of little, we'll say red flags pop up and you're like, okay, like we can, everything is about 80% what I want, but there's these couple little things that if we can minimize it or swap it, that you are maybe derailing or setting yourself back when you don't know it because accessibility is totally another thing, but like health literacy is another animal that people have to tackle. How do you address those conversations with someone, kid, adult, whoever, that like, hey, you know what? You're actually doing this and it's sabotaging you. So maybe we can switch it up and do this instead, which is a tough combo for sure. It, it can be. One of the things I like to do is ask them where they think they're going wrong. So I always do like 24 hour recall, right? And so we go through it and I'll say, all right, so if you had to pick where or what is probably not working for you, tell me what that would look like. And usually they know. 
they know. And so it would be like, well, I don't eat enough for breakfast. Okay, cool. So let's talk about what are some options for breakfast? Like, do you like to sleep till the very last second? And then you're like racing out the door. Um, would you be willing to give up 15 minutes and, you know, spend some time like making a little bit of something? Do you have help? You know, so I always want them to be able to recognize instead of because they're always being told right like when we coach them we're like telling them what to do how many sets how many reps do this do that and so creating the opportunity for them to tell me what needs to be fixed a lot of times that's when they're like oh yeah that's what i could do you know and then being you know and a lot of times too it's like they eat lunch and then they eat nothing until they get home at seven o'clock at night and i'm like okay so at what point of this seven hours do you feel the hungriest because I know they feel hungry. But if I say, do you feel hungry? They're going to be like, no. So I just say, at what point in here are you the hungriest? Because I know you are. And they they can recognize, it takes them a second, but they'll be able to start identifying some of those pitfalls and stuff that they have. Or I had one kid uh, a couple weeks ago, it was before Thanksgiving, and we were he was trying to gain weight and we we're talking about snacks. And I said, you know, you come in here every day and you get a hundred calorie pack of goldfish. Is that what you're counting as your snack? He's like, well, yeah. I said, you're huge. You that's not even a snack for me. (laughs) And I'm small. I said, so think about that. So for him, it was I said, all right, because he's more like because he's eating like packaged snacks. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go calories here. I said, your goal is at least two five hundred calorie snacks a day. So I said, you can't come in here and get a pack of goldfish. And because he, he was like, well, I eat a cliff bar every day. All right. I said, all right, so you're going to go and you're going to buy some of the Jif to go's like the little peanut butter to go packets. I said, and you're going to dip your cliff bar in it. Now you're closer to 500 calories. He was like, oh, so like sometimes you have to give numbers and absolutes because it helps with that light bulb moment. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm just one of those people that I want to ask a hundred questions before I'm going to give one answer. Well, it was really important. Like the the description in the example you gave, like you're asking open-ended questions, right? Like, do you feel hungry? Yes or no. At what point do you feel hungry? Isn't, can't be answered yes or no. And in the weight room, like I, again, I think the obviously the audience in this case is performance coaches. We're like, how'd that set feel? Good, bad, or do you think like we always ask questions that require like minimal follow-up very few coaches actually like take the time in between sets to be like or, or it's almost like we talk about absolutes like the other way and it's like word vomit and it's like just shut up and get some weight on the bar and like get to work yes. but you know when you're having these questions especially trying to curb pitfalls that you see athletes kind of portraying on themselves those open-ended questions are just so important um have you like was that something you guys like learned in school like did you have to evolve to that point like because that's I mean that's like legit coaching that's not that's not something that is typically taught in a classroom is like the actual communication piece of the education to the application yeah I think for me I learned a lot of those skills just doing eating disorder counseling because there's such a huge psychological component to that and there's it's not about food 99.9% of the time. So you have to ask so many questions to figure out like where this all started and how it began and, you know, how you're going to best approach the way to recovery and stuff like that. And so, and honestly, I just really love people's stories. Like that's just, I love 
knowing like where people come from, like how they got to where they are. And so I think like, however I can pick that apart, I do. So I just like to ask a well, lot of Especially questions. with food, like, you know. Yeah, it, it's fun. Food is so much more like it, it, and it absolutely is fuel, but, and you know, like when people make the transition from performance coaching of athletes, where it is fuel to like the general adult, where it's social and it's fun and it's comforting and it's a reaction to stress yeah. and like it's like and it's it can be that way with athletes too but you know and, and maybe this is a, a good question to, to ask like when people go from I'm an athlete to I'm no longer an athlete and I'm sure you've seen it at the high school level you've definitely probably seen it at the adult adults that you yeah. you've talked with and worked with like how like how do you shift the I I'm eating to be an athlete to I'm eating for just life, you know, like what components change? How do you address that? And, and like, where does that start for you? Yeah. So when I was at the collegiate level with football, a lot of the seniors who knew they weren't going to go past exactly. collegiate, they would, we would sit down around November and just teaching them about like, they're going to be hungry a lot because they're used to eating a lot and just teaching them to be uncomfortable being hungry for a little bit to learn how to adjust to portion sizes um, and different ways of eating for the rest of your life. So, and they would start that in November. So they would still have me there, you know, to kind of help them get through some of those tough times, but it's hard, like just, and it really is for a lot of them just changing portion sizes. And so, but I mean, when you're just used to eating all the time, as much as you can, it is a huge adjustment. Um, and I remember the swimmers, they would always really struggle during taper. They'd be like, I can't stop eating. And I'm like, I know because it's such a habit. Like you've been trained to do this for so long. Um, and then one of the other things that I would always tell them is you can't stop exercising. You may not ever want to put a bar on your back again. And that is a hundred percent acceptable, but you have to find what you love now. And so whether that's, you know, mountain biking or I don't know, CrossFit or whatever you want to find, you cannot stop exercising because that's going to get you in trouble. So, uh, but yeah, we would have those conversations about like, you know, cutting carbs at night and maybe it's going to, you're going to go to bed hungry for a few nights just until your body adjusts and your stomach can kind of get back to what a normal you know, stomach is and, and stuff like that. So it's interesting. We'll have to do like round two on this pod, because I feel like that's like a whole episode in itself, you know, like getting yeah. adjusting to hunger. Yes. Like that's, you know, I've, it is interesting and working with people through like weight loss and, and things like that. Like it is, it's bizarre how your body just tells you it's, it's so routine, but anyway, that's, I think another whole nother, whole yeah. nother beast, um, because I do have, scary. I know you've got a hard stop here and I have one more question I want to ask you because I always find this question fascinating with people in industries that I don't fully understand, but in sports, nutrition, nutrition, science, food science, however you phrase it in your brain, because I'm sure there's a lot of different ways um, to coin it. What is, ex what excites you about either where it's going or what's coming up next in that industry? Oh man, that is a huge question. Um, I know, it, but it's fascinating. I find it fascinating because everyone brings their yeah. own individuality to it. Like for you, like what is, what's like really cool and, and what you're kind of drawing your attention to? I think for me, a lot of just like, I feel like anything from like collagen to magnesium to zinc to like, uh, you know, 
beets um, as far as like a dietary nitrate and stuff like that, like being able to in creatine and brain health. Oh my gosh. Like I could go on and on. That's There's just huge so, too. That's a huge one. Oh my gosh. So creatine, much. The wannabe steroid in every parent's eyes having like amazing function for things outside of, of ATP and, and muscle energy function, like huge research. Yes. Yes. Like it's all like, I'm so excited to start it and like not even start it. Like I've been working on a lot of different stuff when I was in baseball, but like taking like this new group of athletes, like at this level where parents are like, you have this knowledge. We want you to tell us what to give our kids and how to take care of our kids. Let's go. Like, you know, so I have all these plans like for baseball season, like what I want the baseball team to do. And then in off season, I want to try to get our football team to do omega threes after workouts along with their recovery shakes. And so like just picking apart some of that, like really sciencey, like nerdy rabbit hole fun stuff and, mm -hmm. and just seeing what happens because at the end of the day, it's all food based. So it's only going to benefit everybody. It's just we don't know what it all looks like yet because we've never really i don't know especially and you know how this is like research is always on like people 18 years and older and so yeah. where is the really good quality research on youth athletes there's just not so yeah because yeah, yeah. they're not graduate students in the lab right yeah. right and okay. yeah and you have to have parental consent and all that kind of stuff but like you know and if someone's not on campus 100 percent of the time People aren't necessarily going to trust what, yeah. you know, what's going on. But yeah, that's, that's one of my things is just like how nerdy and like geeky can I get with some of this stuff coming, coming up that, you know, that is uh we'll definitely do round two if you're up to it, because I yes. feel like there's so many good, like just that last, like little bit, like, I mean, creatine, like every, every parent will get, it's inevitable. I'm going to get the, the call or, or email from a parent being like, is my kid taking a steroid? And I'm like, listen, like, here's this research article, this research article, and this research article, like it is so worth its weight in gold. And I think it's, it's not as scary as it should, as it gets portrayed, right. but um, you and I definitely should do like a rapid fire, like supplements only uh, Q and a or something like oh my that. Gosh it's, it's the questions we get right. And then in sports performance land, like a lot of times we know it's not going to hurt you and it does have benefits. And I'm not talking about creatine, but like just supplementation in general, right. you know, and if you can get it from food, it's preferred, but right. you know, like parents in the average consumer, like they get marketed to so hard that that's their people's jobs, you know, but I digress. Um, Allison, if people want more Allison Maurer, where do they go? Oh man. Okay. I am just for the record, I'm the worst at social media. Okay. <laughs> I like never post. I'll but, link it. I'll link it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. But my so my Twitter and my Instagram is um at PPR fuel prepare perform recover um fuel. And then um yeah, I mean that's really if you want, I mean, I'll do better. I gotta do better. I'm so so bad about it. You're going to get the Parisi podcast bump now. So you're going to have to level up for sure. I will totally <laughs> have to level up. Oh, I got to like, yeah, I'm just, I'm old. Like <laughs> I'm not hey, good at it. If it wasn't for the job I have with Parisi, I don't yeah. think I would be on any social media. Yeah. One of the I things in total like tangent, um, you know, one of the things like being at the high school, like there's so many things I want to post, 
but I also know like kids are so hung up on how many likes and stuff they're going to get that I'm like, you know what? I don't want to add to like uh -huh. add to them thinking like that's important to me too. So you know what I mean? So I'm trying to like yeah. find that balance. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. PPR fuel. But, okay. Yeah. Put that, in, put that in the show notes. People should go check you out. Allison, if you're up for it, we'll do round two because I, I think you and I could probably, if we, if we sat at a coffee shop with, with coffee in front of us, I think we could kill three hours easy, no problem. And three pots of coffee. <laughs> yeah, a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. Uh, I look forward to an eventual round two for sure. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Casey. You have a good day.